Welcome to Gear Vlogs Automotive Podcast. I'm your host, Mario Gear, where I share my enthusiasm for all topics automotive. Welcome to the Gear Vlogs Automotive Podcast, episode 13 of my third season. In today's video, I talk about the Tesla Cybertruck size revealed, how does it compare to the Ford Raptor, Gotchens floats bigger battery plant plans as it awaits approval. Tesla opens direct power wall orders again. Don't have to combine with solar. Lamborghini says first plug-in hybrid will have 986 horsepower powertrain. A Kentucky Ford dealership provides second chances. And a Feral engineer is building an off-road rally Dodge Viper. If this is your first time here, thanks for coming by. I'm Mario Gear, and I've been involved in the automotive industry for well over 15 years. I'm sharing my enthusiasm for all automotive topics with you. Let's begin. Our first story. Tesla Cybertruck size revealed. How does it compare to a Ford Raptor? Tesla Cybertruck size has approximately been revealed through executive executives at investor day confirming that it is just a bit smaller than the original prototype not long after unveiling the cybertruck prototype in 2019 ceo elon musk started talking about making the electric pickup smaller to fit inside a regular garage in 2020, the CEO was asked what the biggest change is to the Cybertruck from the prototype, and he responded that Tesla reduced the size by 3%, made the center line more level, and lowered the window sill height. Now the Cybertruck is in its pre-production beta phase, just months away from the start of production. And Tesla has been shy about confirming changes, including the actual size of the electric pickup truck. Today, Matthew Dungake Ray, a Tesla investor who attended the Tesla Investor Day earlier this month, claims to have talked to Tesla executives at the event who confirm many new details about the Cybertruck. And there'll be a link to this video interview in the show notes. While Doug and Ryan was there at the event and apparently did talk to Tesla personnel, the information can't be confirmed, so it take, take it with a grain of salt. Most notably, he claims that Tesla's confirmed the dimensions of the Cybertruck saying, that it was 5% smaller than the original prototype. He claims the Cybertruck has about the same exterior dimensions as the F-150 Raptor Super Crew. And here he's got, some, there's a chart here. Obviously you can read all that. While the exterior dimensions would be extremely close, the bed would apparently be much longer. Hmm. Interesting. More uh, space, I guess. Among other things that Doug and Ryan claimed to have confirmed with Tesla execs, 
The Cybertruck will have five seats instead of the six seat configuration that was shown on the original prototype. He said, we suspected that this could be a possibility after seeing the pre-production beta prototypes at the investor day. With the center console, the center console, which used to change into a front center seat has been modified and no longer looks removable anymore. Furthermore, details that Dugan Ryan claimed to have uh, revealed include 18-inch center display and a second row center display like the Model S and Model X. He also claims that Tesla confirmed having a team working on Cybertruck accessories that will work on the 48-volt system. We should soon see, soon start to get more official information from Tesla about the Cybertruck as the automaker gets closer to bringing the vehicle to production this summer. So, there we go. Yeah, link to this story will be in the show notes. So, yeah, definitely check that one out. Um, let's move on to our next story. Next story here. I think you pronounce it. Got Yun Float's bigger battery plant plan as it awaits approval. The Chinese battery parts manufacturer has presented a revised plan to local officials that would increase its initial footprint by a third, calling for an additional addition of two 500-square-foot plants on the site near Big River, Michigan. Gotian Inc. multi-billion dollar electric vehicle battery factory proposed proposal in Michigan has swelled by 1 million square feet and the 200 to 300 additional jobs despite lingering uncertainty that the project will even happen. The Chinese battery part manufacturer has presented a revised plan to local officials that would increase an initial footprint by a third calling for the addition of two 500 square foot plants on the near Big River, Michigan, according to Township Supervisor Jim Chapman. That would expand its footprint to roughly 3 million square feet across six buildings in Macosta County in western Michigan. How much that would increase the originally planned $2.4 billion investment is not clear. The company had originally announced 2,350 jobs with the plant. Chuck Thielen, Vice President of North American Operations for Gotchen, said he cannot confirm at this time the new details. The company shared its revised plans with township officials last week, Chapman said. The entire project expanded and all would be a green township as is currently mocked up. The new buildings would house additional manufacturing processes that the company is looking to bring on site. Chapman said he welcomed the development, adding 
that he believes the project is significantly closer to being done deal. 200 to 300 jobs in the in this community is something we set off fireworks for, he said. If they want to bring more jobs and economic development to my community, come on down. Gotchen has still not made any final commitments to the project, which Thielen previously said is contingent on a number of approvals at the state and local levels, as well as signing off on $750 million in state incentives. The project originally saddled two townships in Mecosta County, but after Big Rapids Township Board members voted, voiced concerns over its ties to China and impact on the water table and environment, the company turned its focus solely onto Green Township. Michigan Democrats moving to repeal the right-to-work law is also a concern for the company, according to Chapman, who said he heard the concerns rising Friday during a Macosta County Economic Development Group meeting. The plant, which would be the company's first in the U.S., would make anoids and cathode materials for EV batteries, most of the products from the factory would be supplied to make Goshen battery packs, according to the company. It has not disclosed its automotive to its automotive customers. Thielen said last week that the company has a backup plan should the project in Big Rapids fall through. We wish to start quickly. It all depends on the state and local governments, he said, but we do not have a final obligation from either side yet. So there we go. Local community concerns and as well as local and federal governments uh, making uh, demands and commitments. What do you guys think? So, yeah, um... Let's move on to the next story. Tesla opens direct power wall orders again. Don't have to combine with solar. Hmm. Tesla has decided to open direct power wall orders again after previously only making the popular home battery pack available with a solar system. Home battery packs have greatly gained in popularity in recent years. People have been looking for for more energy security to counter power outages and to make better use of renewable energy like rooftop solar, home battery packs provide that. Tesla Powerwalls is by far the most popular home battery pack system and its popular popularity has led to a significant backlog of orders. In 2021, Tesla even decided only to allow Powerwall orders when they are combined with a rooftop solar or solar roof order. Two years later, Tesla has now changed its strategy and reopened orders for Powerwall by itself. Yeah, for one Powerwall, you're looking at about close to uh, 
$9,200 for one power well. Don't get me wrong, but there's also, so I think um, if you search on YouTube, you can find articles on people doing DIY power wall projects. But then again, they're sourcing the battery packs from wrecked Tesla EVs. So you weigh in the cost of acquiring a wrecked Tesla EV, pulling out the battery packs, and then trying to uh, parting out the rest of the Tesla. It may be just better off buying, going directly to Tesla now to get a power wall for cheaper costs and the headaches of uh, building your own power wall. But let's continue with the article. Tesla is now revealing new pricing for the Powerwall installation without solar, starting at $9,200 for a single Powerwall before taxes and incentives. That's directly from Tesla, where the company can perform installation. Of course, Tesla Powerwalls were always available separately through third-party installers, which has become an important segment for the company. This could point to Tesla finally starting to have better availability of the Powerwall. Last year, the automaker confirmed having rapid production of to about 6,500 Powerwalls per week. I have noticed an increase in number of advertising from cert- certified Powerwall installers, which would indicate that they have inventory. Now, with Tesla opening direct orders, it looks like the power walls are becoming easier to get if you can pay for the price. So, yeah, what do you guys think? Are you guys looking into it? I personally have been looking at doing adding, doing some kind of like a battery pack solar wall system for a structure, shed, I guess you could say, like man cave that my dad built a long time ago that could use power and I could see adding solar panels to the roof and uh, maybe a power wall or two for powering up that thing so I'm definitely interested in looking at this but of course then of course weighing the cost of how much power do I need for that shed or also possibly tying it into my main house you know because I do live in California and We do have rolling blackouts, so... Yeah, chime in what you guys think. Would you, if if the price was no object, would you uh, consider doing something like this? Yeah, comment down below. Let's move on to the next story. This story is from Lamborghini. Lamborghini says, First plug-in hybrid will have 986 horsepower powertrain. The new Lamborghini supercar... Codename LB744 and and packaging a V12 engine and three electric motors will be capable of operating at times on electric power only. Lamborghini is lifting the wraps on some powertrain specs for its first plug-in hybrid supercar set to be unveiled this month in Europe. The as-yet-unnamed sports car will rely on a newly engineered, mid-mount, naturally aspirated 6.5-liter V12 engine coupled with three 
electric motors. Lamborghini says one will be mounted transversely and integrated into the car's eight-speed gearbox, while the other two each will power a front wheel. Together, the engine and the motor can produce more than 986 horsepower, the company says. The all-wheel drive supercar, codenamed LB744, is being developed in part to mark Lamborghini's 60th anniversary, while the brand has previously produced hybridized vehicles. The LB744 will be the first plug-in hybrid and capable of operating at times on electric power only, improving its emission profile. Lamborghini says the engine weight just over 480 pounds, about 37 pounds less than the V12 that powered the Aventador. As part of the engine design, Lamborghini rotated it 180 degrees compared with the Aventador, re-engineered the air intake ducts to guarantee optimum airflow into the combustion chamber and optimize the chamber itself. The result is a power level of 120 horsepower per liter, the brand says. So, there we go. Now, the question I'd like to ask is, fellow automotive YouTuber, The Stradman, I wonder if he got an early word that eventually this was coming down the pipeline and he possibly has this mysterious Lamborghini order that he has. I believe that's what he exclaimed, that possibly this is it. James, reach out to me. Let me uh, give us a little exclusive. Like We would love to hear it if this is the case. So... Yeah, James the Stradman, a fellow automotive YouTuber. Definitely check out his channel. I'll link to his channel in the show notes and uh, whatnot. Let's move on to our uh, next story. Okay, a Kentucky Ford dealership provides second chances. The James Collins Ford dealership in Kentucky has employed more than 50 men from the Beacon House, a transitional living facility in Train them to become technicians or salespeople. James Collins Ford is more than a source for income for some of its workers. The Louisville, Kentucky store has served as a lighthouse during stormy periods for staffers who have been incarcerated and battled addictions as they work to turn their lives around. It has employed more than 50 men from Beacon House, a Louisville transition living facility founded in 1997. The dealership has worked with Beacon House for nearly a decade to support men during their recoveries and allow them to flourish with some becoming master service technicians and leading salespeople. It starts them off in a lower level position such as porters and gives them a chance to prove their reliability before moving them up the ladder, says uh, their store's managing partner. 
about 40% of the staff today come from Beacon House. Workers have, workers say having colleagues they know from the facility has proven invaluable because they understand each other's struggles. Although some workers relapse and lose their position, the dealership said the majority have remained clean. Very cool. The store managing partners said they needed an opportunity. They needed a type of management that is coaching them, building morale up, and finding the best talent and just following through the whole process to where they have good credit now. They've got brand new trucks. They've got houses. Cool. New lease on life. Hmm. Owner James Collins said, those coming from Beacon House have a chance to earn lucrative work, pointing to senior master service technicians such as Jamie Sorrell, who earns more than 100000 a year. Sorrell, 49, didn't want to think about where he's been if James Collins Ford hadn't invested in him. There was a point when he thought he spent decades in prison. He was arrested for making methamphetamines and was facing a possibility of 70-year sentence for drug charges. After serving about six months, Sorrell was given a chance to wait for his sentencing date at the Beacon House. During this period, Sorrell got a job as a shuttle driver at James Collins Ford when he got bored between runs, he began asking the service crew if they needed help and shipped in where he could. The dealership saw his interest and wanted him to start Ford technical technician training process, but Sorrell said he couldn't do it with his uh, case hanging over him. Ultimately, after ultimately receiving a 10-year sentence, he left to serve his time. Dealership management told him they'd have a job for him waiting. Six months later, Sorrell said his fortunes took an amazing turn. A judge unexpectedly gave him probation and with it a new lease on life that many in his position don't get. I was already a convicted felon, Sorrell said. I don't quite understand why all those things took place. I'm just glad they did. This is a judge out of Bullitt County. It's just not a place where you normally are given a second chance. Sorrell returned to living at Beacon House for nearly two years and resumed his employment at James Collins Ford. He soon started techni technician training, which the dealership paid for and kick-started an upward trajectory in his career and life. So, there you go. Love the idea that you're giving uh, somebody a second who's fallen on hard times or had missteps or bad choices, life choices, and giving uh, somebody a uh, second chance in life. And that's one thing about the Ford Technician Program. I have friends who've gone through that and they've made good careers out of it. Be it, you know, 
you're a veteran getting out of the military uh, to just graduating out of high school and whatnot. So, yeah. Comments down below if uh, you think these type of vocational training programs more should be implemented by other dealerships and whatnot. I personally think, yeah, that's the way to go. So, alrighty, let's move on to the next story. This feral engineer is building an off-road Dodge Viper, taking a notoriously sketchy American icon and turning it into a desert raider seems like a perfect, perfectly natural, good, bad idea. Okay, let's uh, read on. Safari-style car builds are super popular right now. You take a cool car, often a sports car, and then you lift it by a couple of inches and toss some chunky tires and a roof basket on it. And maybe some rally lights too, if you're feeling spicy. Of course, there's a difference between a safari sports car build and what seemingly feral engineer and YouTube super fast Matt is doing. He's building an off-road Dodge Viper. Yeah, an off-road Viper and not just any Viper. An RT-10. That means it's the full fat plastic fanatic zero safety American sports car with an 8 liter V10. He already bought the car and is and it's annoyingly kind of nice, too. And he's not just going the safari route with this thing. He's aiming for something between an ill-advised rally car and wildly impactful desert pre-runner. Oh, I'm definitely going to have a link to this video in the show notes. <laughs> i got to watch this one. To get his Viper into the dirt with some hope. Of it and him surviving he got to he had to address a few issues the first and most obvious is the necessary suspension lift he's going for a total redesign that would give him in theory about 12 inches of lift next he's ditching the Vipers independent rear suspension for a more much more off-road ready solid axle which would probably come from a Bronco or Jeep. Then he needed some roll protection, some frame modifications to make the uh, suspension work, and a bunch of skid plates, bash bars, tire carrier, to round it all out. To call this project ambiguous would be something of an understatement. Still, given his previous builds, which include a Tesla-powered classic Jaguar, a super bike-powered Honda S600, and a BMW motorcycle-engined Land Speed Racer. It seems not only possible, but probable that he at least get it like 80% done. We're stroked to see what happens. Yeah, I'm definitely going to give this video a check out and see... Uh, how it goes. I can't imagine that this is a 
a digital mock-up, but anything's possible. And uh, considering the years of me spending working on Dodge Vipers, yeah, some of the feat of what he's uh, trying to do is going to be interesting to see nonetheless. Um, yeah, comment down below what you guys think. So, if you've made it this far in the video, I want to say thank you. And, and if you made it this far in the video, I want to say thank you for uh, coming. And, um, yeah, be sure to uh, give me a uh, like, uh, follow, comment, um, and share this uh, episode out among your friends and family. Um, that was how, that way I can grow the channel and, uh, keep bringing you, you know, more episodes. So as always, thank you. And, uh, see you next time.